Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Joyce Barry and Friends, the number one worldwide radio show. The show's outrageous and it's contagious. It will lift your spirits high, you'll feel that you can fly. Transform your attitude, fill it with gratitude. Cut loose and improvise this coaching time today. Joyce is a great coach with an extraordinary approach. Fast on the upbeat, top of the heap. A wild motivator, great simulator. Unstoppable in a humoristic way. Life lessons with passion, joyfully today. You want Joyce as your coach if you want this to be your best year ever. Coach Joyce here. I want this to be your best year ever. I want this to be my best year ever. I want this to be the best year ever for all our friends worldwide. Welcome to Joyce, Barry, and Friends. We are broadcasting live across America and around the world. This is the Hour to Empower with stimulating talk, views you can use, memorable quotes, and powerful life lessons. We always have hot guests and cool topics. We even have cool guests and hot topics. You always want to tune us on, tune in, and tune up with us to hear the best of the best. You do not want to miss any of our shows. Each show goes into our archives. Log into Joyce Barry and Friends.com, Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E, and you will see each guest and each topic on our homepage. You can play and download any of our shows, always informative, inspiring, and motivational. You want to share these special shows with your friends, family, and contacts. You can follow us on Facebook and become a Joyce Barry subscriber and even a fan by going to our Joyce Barry and Friends fan page. Be sure to check like. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us by going to our Blog Talk Radio homepage and clicking follow right below my picture. You can also message me in any of these venues about our show, about our guests, about anything. My official website is JoyceBarry.com. Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E. The chat room is open. Log into the chat room, have fun, and chat away. I go back and forth into the chat room during the show to see what is going on in there. Motivation, inspiration, and an education. Positive, happy thoughts to improve your life, health, and finances. Take positive actions to create a gratifying lifestyle. Life lessons from me, your host, Joyce Barry, straight from the Coach's Corner, and then you will hear from our wonderful guest today. Folks, every day should be treated like a special day. We wish you the finest of friends, the opulence of opportunities, the magic of miracles, and the happiest of days. May this year be your best year ever. Folks, I am truly excited about the show today. Uh, For those of you who follow the show, for those of you who know me, you know that I've been off the air for four months, having had a near-death experience at the end of June. And my very first show was on Monday, where I had the esteemed Dr. Bernie Siegel, who has authored over 20 books. Uh, We talked about peace, love, and healing, so I want to refer you to that show. Yesterday, I had one of the top rabbis high up on the New York Board of Rabbis. Uh, We talked about why do bad things happen to good people. Today, I have Dr. Evan Alexander. We'll talk about near-death experiences so you can see that I handpicked the people I wanted uh, to come back uh, to the show with a bang, number one, but number two, to get answers to a lot of the questions that have been surging through my mind this whole time. 
Uh, let me share with you first about Dr. Alexander. He's a renowned academic neurosurgeon, spent over three decades honing his scientific worldview. He thought he knew how the brain and mind worked. A transcendental near-death experience, NDE, as we refer to it, the shorter version. Uh, he had that in which he was driven to the brink of death and spent a week deep in a coma from an inexplicable brain infection changed all of that completely. First, uh, let me say, Dr. Alexander, welcome to the show. I am so uh, happy that you're with us today and you have so much to share with our audience. Well, Joyce, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here and so great to have you back in this world. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I did have, uh, when I was conscious enough uh, and on my way to healing, my neurologist told me that literally I could have gone either way. Uh, but I, I really just want to start off with some of the burning questions I have, and then, of course, I want to talk about your books with you and anything you want to share. But what really struck me when I was reading up on you was that you had an inexplicable brain infection. And I had an inexplicable surge in my blood pressure to 230 uh, just from taking a biopsy. I, I had a regular exam. I told I needed, I was told I needed a biopsy on my lungs. And right during that test, uh, immediately, my blood pressure went to 230. I ended up uh, in intensive care in a coma for about a week, uh, living on a ventilator uh, with pipes deep down in my throat. And what gets me is to this day, they still tell me it's inexplicable. Uh, 50 pages of, uh, of a report on me, the tests I took, but that inexplicable part is really uh, still to this day, bringing in a lot of fear and a lot of upset and frustration because if you don't know why something happened, how can you do something so that it doesn't happen again? How do you deal with that? Well, I think, um, you know, my doctors never found a, a cause for my uh, uh, E. coli gram-negative bacterial meningitis. It was a very severe case, came on very suddenly, uh, and any doctors who know of the medical specifics of my case uh, really marvel at the very fact that I survived. And even more marvelous uh, is that I was able to to make a recovery. Uh, in fact, it's beyond a complete recovery because I came to realize uh, that I'm probably functioning at about 110% of what I was before my coma. And my, the quality of my memories of everything before, et cetera, uh, is much higher. And... Uh, I think that these things are gifts. I mean, it, it's a miracle uh, that I came back to this world, and I'm very grateful, but the gratitude is not simply for recovering and coming back to this uh, very healthy state. The gratitude is for the entire journey. I came to realize that all of that kind of hardship and difficulty that uh, that I went through and my family went through, especially by being there when I was deep in coma, uh, really was a beautiful gift, and you can only see the the glory of it and the magic of it if you take the whole package for what it is. So these things, even though they're inexplicable uh, from a medical standpoint, uh, they are beautiful gifts to us in terms of our uh, awareness and our awakening uh, to the eternal spiritual beings that we are. I haven't reached that point yet, to be perfectly honest. I've been meditating. I'm looking for, because everybody says it is a gift and you're here for a higher purpose. I was told, like you, uh, that it was a miracle I was here. I literally could have gone either way and that my healing process, I was in a rehab center for over three months learning how to stand, how to walk, how to move. I couldn't eat. Uh, I mean, I literally, I shouldn't say been to hell and back I'll say I've been to heaven and back but I haven't come to peace with it the way you have I haven't come to terms with it because when I went and took that test I was not sick in any way there was nothing no pain no no, no nothing that I felt or could have imagined that 
was like getting hit over the head and and not knowing what happened. When I asked what day it was when I was finally conscious, it was like oh, more than a week went by that I had no sense of time elapsing. But you mm-hmm. sound very at peace with all that you went through. Well, I think, you know, as, as many who have studied uh, near-death experiences for years and years, people like Dr. Bruce Grayson, uh, PMA Chatwater, and others who have studied NDEs very deeply, um, they realize it takes many, many years, if not, you know, beyond the rest of your life to fully assimilate and try and get the lessons from a near-death experience. I mean, going through the experience is world-changing, but that doesn't mean you fully understand it all right when you come back. Uh, I would say I'm still on a vertical part of the learning curve. You know, I'm uh, seven years out now from my experience. I feel like I'm just beginning to come to an understanding of it. Uh, and, And I also do not anticipate I'll have a complete understanding of it at all within this lifetime within this incarnation but that's fine it's all about the journey and learning and as long as we're willing to learn the lessons from these kind of experiences and what i often stress to people is you don't have to almost die or you know to die to come to know uh, everything that i know about of you know the afterlife and about consciousness everything i've learned all you have to do is go within your consciousness. And this is why I'm such a big proponent of meditation. This is why I do all that work with uh, sacred acoustics to help put out differential sound frequencies for deep meditative states. For me, it's a form of centering prayer that comes to acknowledge an infinitely loving God and the oneness that we all share. Uh, That's why I do that work with Sacred Acoustics, and people who want to learn more about that should visit sacredacoustics.com. It has a lot of very powerful tools for getting into deep transcendental uh, states of prayer and meditation. Uh, And this is for all of us as sentient beings. Did you say sacredacoustics.com? Yes, uh, sacred, S-A-C-R-E-D-A-C-O-U-S-T-I-C-S.com. And that is uh, the site. It's a group that I work with very closely in putting out differential sound frequencies to help people get into deep meditative states. And it's a very informative website about meditation uh, and prayer, centering prayer, and uh, also offers some very practical tools especially in the form of sound files that people can listen to through headphones or earbuds. And I can't wait to help. check that out myself. And it's acoustics with one C. Correct. Acoustics okay, with one Okay, I got that. I, I'm looking forward to checking that out as well. Uh, it's funny that you stress meditation and how important it is, and that's our show tomorrow with our health guru, Beverly Nadler, on meditation. She talks about overcoming the challenges, the difficulties a lot of people face when they're trying to meditate. So we get into that in great detail. So this resource, I'll be happy to share that with our listeners tomorrow when our whole show is about meditation. That's great. And you know, what What I point out to people so often is all of the message of proof of heaven and the map of heaven, uh, you know, it's not about dying and what happens after we die. It's much more about how we live these lives moment to moment, day to day. And meditation brings us tremendous tools and power uh, in living these lives as we come to realize that the thing that exists is our consciousness, that we are eternal spiritual beings. Um, and this is all about how meditation can open our doors of creativity, of insight, of guidance, of understanding, of health for ourselves, health for others, health for this whole world. I mean, meditation is really the key to every bit of this. Uh, it's not just about getting into some strange woo-woo space and kind of, uh, you know, getting into superstition. This is all about fundamentally connecting with who we are, why we're here, and where this is all going, and much better living our lives through this deeper awareness of who we are and how we're all interconnected and deeply connected with the divine through it all. And meditation is the key that allows each and every one of us to come to know that fully. 
Um, I feel like uh, I just created a whole tapestry of putting things together because uh, Bernie Siegel talked about the importance of meditation as well. And, uh, you know, singling out each person that I wanted this week, this week was really important to me. You're all on the same page. So, folks, you want to check out all the shows this week. You are all on the same page. A quest, another question I have, how are you supposed to guard against something happening to you when that happening that we're talking about, that inexplicable happening, you didn't see it coming? And not understanding it even to this day, medically, why it happened, how do you guard against it from happening well, again? I don't ever want to go through that again. Well, I've come to fully realize that... Uh getting this meningitis that has no explanation in Western medicine was a beautiful gift. Uh, people would often ask me, uh, you know, so this loving God that you saw on your journey gave you this meningitis? Uh, what I realized early on is, no, this was part of my soul journey. This was something that when I came into this world before I was born, uh, I planned up that this was going to be part of the unfolding of it, was going into coma with the meningitis, uh, because it does offer that beautiful lesson. And this is why I often remind people that the uh, challenges in life, the difficulties, and this certainly includes illness and injury, uh, are very truly to be seen as gifts. And, of course, you can only realize the true gift nature of it when you realize that our incarnation here, birth to death, is but a tiny little fragment of our overall existence. Uh, we are eternal spiritual beings. In fact, uh, I discuss in the anniversary edition of Proof of Heaven that came out one year after the original, uh, in the afterword to that book, which is 30 pages long, very rich with new material, I talk about reincarnation and how one cannot deny the reality of reincarnation. It was certainly not a concept that I grew up with, you know, growing up in a Methodist church with a, a fairly traditional kind of Christian teachings. And yet my coma journey showed me very clearly that when you realize we're eternal spiritual beings, you need to also realize that we come back again and again as our path of ascendance towards oneness of the Oneness with the divine involves multiple incarnations and a much broader view of who we are, that we are multiple incarnations with our soul groups. Our soul groups really don't even have any limitations. Uh, but part of it is, is realizing that far grander scope of who we are and in that fully accepting whatever was the divine plan for my meningitis, whether I came back or not. Uh, but I'm not worried about that meningitis because I know if it were to occur again, whether it would be the end of my physical incarnation in this Eben Alexander incarnation or not, that it's still that beautiful gift and part of that divine plan. My role is to learn the lessons from it and to help participate in the learning and teaching that that lesson involves with other souls. Um, you know, so I have no concern or worry about if I were to come down with that meningitis again, because if that happens, then it's part of that bigger plan, as long as I'm open to learning the lessons of it and to helping my loved ones to realize that if it was God's will that I was to pass on from that meningitis, then that's fine. That's part of the lesson. We're here to open ourselves up to the far grander lesson. So I have no fear of that meningitis. I have no fear of dying because I realize that dying is not the end. Well, I'm very, very uh, inspired by you because I haven't shaken the fear. Uh, as many resources as I have with people in all walks of life that are highly intelligent trying to help me get past it, I haven't. I admit to that. And um I will say that reading the book, The Proof of Heaven, I, I don't have the kind of fear uh, of passing that I used to because it really is a great place to be and very peaceful leaving our bodies and knowing there's a better world out there. Yet I do admit to having tremendous fear of going through what I went through because literally not able to speak for five weeks. I had no vocal cords. They didn't 
know if it was going to come back. Not able to eat. Um, they had me on puree food, which I couldn't even look at, let alone eat. So I had a yogurt for breakfast, lunch, and dinner because I always like yogurt, but I couldn't even look at the puree. Uh, what was there, just to move, to take a step, to walk. It took a long time to be able to do that. Now, the interesting thing, I was never, ever in any pain. I was not on pain meds. I was not on any pain. But everything to do any of those things was a challenge. It was extremely difficult. Like, I I had no uh, use of, of, of the facilities one normally has to just stand up was a major major, major ordeal. So I don't want to go through that again. Uh, and I still, I'm, I'm looking at whatever ways there is meditation, support of friends and love from friends and all of that. But is there anything you might want to add to that, given what I'm going through? Yeah, I would say that uh, the best thing for me um was really getting into a, a practice of, of prayer and meditation that first and foremost offers up gratitude. There is nothing more important to get in our living in this world than to be grateful for everything in our existence. And that includes gratitude for the toughness and the challenges, the illness and the injury. Gratitude for every bit of it because it's all part of our soul's growth. And, and by remembering and knowing, and this is where the meditation and centering prayer are so helpful, they help us to get in touch with the divine within. Our very consciousness is a direct link to the infinite healing power of the divine, and the infinite healing power of the unconditional love of that divine creator for the creation. And the more we get into that in a daily basis uh, and practice that gratitude, and, and learn that we can be fearless because there really is nothing to fear as long as you are able to fully remember and live moment to moment that divine infinite uh, connection that's within each and every one of us. Uh, it takes us beyond fear. There's no longer a fear of death. That's very commonly uh, one of the uh, uh, beautiful benefits of a near-death experience is you, you learn that the death of the physical body is not the end of awareness. In fact, I often point out to people that given that we are conscious in spite of our brain, uh, physical death and the end of the body is actually releasing us from the shackles of the brain as a, as a prison because that's what it is. It really limits our conscious awareness. And when we, when we die, we're actually freed up from that to this much higher consciousness, much greater awareness. This is what near-death experiencers have been telling us by the, by the millions for thousands of years. Um, and this is the reality for each and every one of us. Uh, I think the deep mystery is why you know, only 15 or 20% of souls who go through this kind of thing end up coming back with these memories. It's a sizable number, to be sure, uh, but often people ask me, why, why doesn't every single soul witness this? And my hunch is this is just the way that God and the universe want to teach us these lessons. They're not going to make it concrete and you know, lay it out there as obvious as Canada, but... Um, that's kind of the subtlety of, of the message and what we are to learn. The interesting thing is whereas most of our religious beliefs, I believe, came out of near-death experiences over thousands of years, but in only a few prophets and mystics, what's happened in the last 50 or 60 years is through cardiac resuscitation techniques, physicians have, have now populated this world with literally tens of millions of souls who have been to the other side and come back. So we now have this overwhelming army of, of evidence of souls and experiences that will completely demolish the simplistic denial of materialist science uh, and, and completely overflow the system with the reality of, of the spiritual world. That is what is happening now. So we're no longer relying just on the occasional mystic and journeyer and prophet and their stories, but really on this groundswell and rising tide of awareness that is brought to this world through the gifts of modern medicine and cardiac resuscitation techniques. How long were you a practicing neurosurgeon? Uh, for about 30 years or so before uh, I went into coma. 
back in 2008. Oh, that's when you stopped? Uh, well, what happened, I actually was working at the time I went into coma. I was uh, supporting global research in a very promising uh, medical technology called focused ultrasound surgery, where you're actually using ultrasound energy for therapeutic effect, not for the imaging. You use MRI to image the thermal and mechanical effect of focused ultrasound. It's a technology that I think will revolutionize a lot of modern medicine. I went back to that work within about three months of my coma, which was a complete shock to my boss, who was a neurosurgeon, uh, he knew full well how ill I was during my illness, and when I called him up a few weeks after I got out of the hospital and said, you know, I was thought I could come back to work, he felt like he was talking to a ghost. Uh, but, in fact, he let me come back, and I went back to that work um, and did that for many more months, then went back to seeing neurosurgical patients. But I was giving more and more talks on my experience. Beginning, I started giving talks about two and a half years before the book Proof of Heaven came out, and by June of 2012, which is about five months or four months before uh, Proof of Heaven came out, I finally was giving too many talks and could not continue the neurosurgical practice because you cannot do that part-time. And my talks and the book were taking up too much time, so I finally had to let go of that neurosurgical practice. And I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But, yeah, I had spent about 30 years in academic neurosurgery, 15 years at Harvard Medical School, a lot of my training years at Duke, thought I had an idea of how brain, mind, and consciousness work, but of course my coma journey showed me very clearly, it revealed to me in, in great detail the hard problem of consciousness, which is the deepest enigma known to all of human thought, which basically puts out there that no human being on earth, no neuroscientist, philosopher of mind, no one who studies brain, mind, and consciousness has the remotest clue how to postulate the um, emergence of consciousness from the physical matter of the brain. And this is one of the biggest revolutions coming to our scientific understanding now, is this knowing that the brain does not create consciousness at all, but that consciousness is fundamental in the universe. And, of course, this is one of the primary messages in Proof of Heaven and the Map of Heaven. And I often put out there to the scientific community, those with a deep scientific interest in, in the leading edge of this awakening about non-local consciousness, should read the books Irreducible Mind Toward a Psychology for the 21st Century, uh, edited by Ed, Ed Kelly and others, and also the sequel to that book that came out in 2015 in February, and that book is called Beyond Physicalism uh, Toward Reconciliation of Science and Spirituality, again edited by Ed Kelly and others. Uh, these are all listed on the recommended reading list on my website, so people who want these books and others should go to ebonalexander.com, and there there is a, a tab that has a recommended reading list um, uh, that people can go to and, and get those books, you know, Irreducible Mind and Beyond Physicalism and others to help them come to a deeper understanding of the science behind non-local consciousness. Folks, that is Eben, E-B-E-N, Alexander, A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R.com. You want to check out that website. You certainly want to check out his books, The Proof of Heaven and The Map of Heaven. Uh, you just uh, a moment back referenced MRIs. Uh, that was something I uh, was told by the, my neurologist to do, which I did last week. And he wanted both with contrast, without contrast. I refused to do the one with contrast uh, because it was the biopsy that set this whole thing off. So I was terrified to put a foreign object in, in my body because to this day, as I said, was it the anesthesia that had that happen to me, although I've had major surgery before. Uh, so he's insisting that he really needs it to get a full picture. Um what do you want to say about that? I was never afraid of any of these things, but I literally was afraid to do that after this this experience. Well, your physician should be able to tell you if you had any kind of uh, allergic reaction or uh, uh, toxic reaction to the enhancement, to the gadolinium enhancement that they use for enhancing an MRI. Uh, they should be able to sort that out. And if it was anything that looked like an allergic response to gadolinium, then they would advise you away from having that kind of contrast material in the future. 
I mean, the, the gadolinium contrast is very helpful um, at uh, showing certain things that you just cannot see without it. So if your right. doctor is recommending that, I would strongly suggest that you go through that. I mean, if you have questions about, well, you know, did the enhancement cause any part of the problem before, go on and ask your doctor that. They can tell. No, the, the problem that set off what happened to me came from a biopsy, not from an MRI. So he just waited till I got strong enough and I was healed enough to take it. But when the time came, I went through the hole without contrast. And when the girl was ready to do the injection of the, I was just too terrified to do it, even though it was not linked to uh, whatever it was that they gave me to have the biopsy. Well, my recommendation would be to follow the advice of your neurologist. And if he felt that you were safe getting the enhancement uh, for the MRI, given the, any of the specific concerns that you've discussed with him, I would then proceed to get the enhanced study uh, on his advised, uh, you know, advice about that. So basically, and that's what it, I'll it, do. I couldn't wait to ask well you about it. <laughs> Well, doctors are full well capable of understanding when, you know, one has had an allergic uh, reaction to a substance that means don't ever do that again. Right, right, right. Day in and day out. So he would be advised of that and, and not recommending that you get uh, an enhanced uh, MRI if it was not safe for you. Okay, that's very helpful, and I will schedule it. Um, they said not a problem. It's it's a much shorter test than the other one, and I can come in whenever I want, and they'll work it out. Uh, so I appreciate your saying that. I just literally I'm afraid of my own shadow these days. So I, I am, like I said, very inspired that you're so at peace with what happened to you. Well, I am, and... Uh... I, uh, as I said, I strongly recommend to those who are uh, still afraid of death and certainly afraid of uh, many other things or afraid maybe of the darkness and apparent evil that they might encounter in lower spiritual realms, etc., uh, is the, the antidote for that is to meditate and come to know that infinitely powerful, all-loving deity at the core of all existence. With a, an ongoing pattern of prayer and meditation, souls will come to know that, uh, and that is something that I strongly advise. But that's why prayer and meditation are so crucial. Uh, the only other thing I, I would want to admit is for those out there, we talked a minute ago about scientific resources about all this. I also often send people to Eternia, E-T-E-R-N-E-A dot org, uh, which is a website uh, of a group that I co-founded with my good friend John Audette. Uh, and this uh, Eternia.org is all about educating people about uh, about frontier science, about the uh, edges of quantum mechanics and what it tells us about the nature of reality and the, all of the proof that we have from all different directions about the reality of the spiritual world that we are all eternal spiritual beings. So visit Eternia.org to tell your own story and also to learn much more about the frontier science and about the evolving understanding of the nature and relationship that we all have with that far greater world that we're all part of. And that's E T T E R N I A dot org. No, I'm sorry. It is E T E R N E A. There oh, are no great. I's there at all. It's all E's. Eternia dot org. And it's only one T E T. One T, exactly. E T E R N E A dot org. Correct. Yeah, all right, you get, I will be checking into that as well. Another question I had, you came out of this coma with such vivid details of what happened to you. You were writing everything down, and that was uh, the premise for the proof of heaven. I don't remember anything, absolutely nothing for that whole week. I was told that I was totally unresponsive, couldn't do anything, couldn't move here, whatever, nothing. 
I don't remember anything. So uh, do you hear stories of people that really know? I feel that I passed and came back. Uh, but as I said, I, I have nothing to recount. I remember everything in detail of what I went through when I, once I was conscious of not being able to do literally anything, barely could move, but nothing in that week. Uh, is there anything you want to comment about that? Well, I, I would say that often people uh, can come to recover memories from an NDE, uh, even though they may not remember those memories immediately after the NDE, they can come back to you unbidden spontaneously later, like through another uh, kind of near-death kind of challenge. They can come back through hypnosis. They can come back through prayer and meditation. I've had many people who have used the sacredacoustics.com kind of recordings uh, and end up recovering vast memories of an NDE that they didn't even know they had had. So there are ways to recover those memories. Um, and and that's what I advise. Uh, I think doing it with an experienced uh, hypnotist, hypnotherapist uh, is fine, but also uh, developing a personal practice of, uh, you know, I recommend daily meditation, or I should say at least weekly meditation uh, that involves centering prayer. And for people who feel they have trouble meditating, those tones from sacred acoustics can get you into very deep transcendental states of conscious awareness. Uh, but I find, in fact, I've done a lot of work uh, with such tones to recover other parts of my NDE that were not apparent to me when I first came back. Uh, I often tell people that I revisit those realms. Uh, I do that on a fairly frequent basis. I try to meditate an hour, two, or three daily. Um, and often when I have extended periods of time that I can devote to deep meditation over several hours, I'm able to return fully to my NDE, not just to recover memories, but to fully interact with those beings, develop uh, relationships with the guides, to uh, fully uh, be one again with that infinite, uh, unlimited healing power of that unconditional loving oneness of that divine all presence that I describe in the core. I mean, this is all an ongoing process of relationship and awakening and understanding uh, that I do through ongoing uh, meditation. Uh, and likewise, anyone out there, any conscious being out there, which includes every single one of your listeners and then some, uh, can do the same things, can go within to get these answers. And of course, I discuss a lot more of that in the book, The Map of Heaven, especially in the appendix to the book, Map of Heaven, which is entitled, The Answers Lie Within Us All. And that is really about an eighth gift. If you've read Map of Heaven, you realize I have the, the chapters there are named after uh, the gifts of things like knowledge and belief and, and connectedness and all of that. But there's an eighth gift uh, from my journey, and that's the gift of awareness. And that's what is covered in that, uh, that appendix uh, of the map of heaven. So not to be missed is that appendix. And it talks about how I use these tones to get deep into that transcendental uh, conscious awareness of many a time to help me to develop my thinking and understanding about my near-death experience. And you say you meditate on a daily basis for an hour or longer? On a daily basis? As much as I can. There, uh, with a very busy schedule, there are some days where I have to miss it. But by and large, I'm able to uh, spend an hour or two, sometimes three hours a day meditating. It might be in the middle of the night or what have you. I do it whenever I can. And it often, in many ways, kind of overlaps with dream work. You know, in, in the Tibetan uh, Book of the Dead and in the Tibetan understanding of uh, of dreams and sleeping, a lot of what we do in dreams and in sleep uh, is there to do the kind of work of becoming more and more uh, facile at uh, being awake in our dreams, being aware in our dreams. Uh, many who have had a near-death experience talk about how this, you know, our, our waking state in the material realm is dreamlike by comparison. That world is much more real. And that is something that people can come to know in deep meditation and it ends up uh, in many ways performing the function uh, as would lucid dreaming uh, in approaching our uh, Tibetan dream work of, of getting ready. Because in Tibetan dream work, 
you're using that lucid dreaming in, in a, a dream state to actually work towards maintaining conscious awareness when once and for all you leave the physical body at the time of bodily death, when the brain and body die. Uh, but it's all of that awakening and that practice of lucid dreaming that enables us to fully uh, fly and soar with the true spirit that we are when we leave the physical body once and for all. And this is something that we can kind of do mock-up trials and practice for uh, in meditation on a daily or weekly basis in our lives. So not only using meditation to help in our creativity and in guidance and in seeking personal health and health for others, in, in uh, using the power of prayer to heal others. Uh, meditation does all of that, but it also helps us in uh, preparing for when we finally do cross over. Uh, and again, this is part of leaving behind any fear that uh, death of the body is the end of anything, uh, is that meditative practice. Uh, one gets to a point where uh, you don't need to have the NDE to lose your fear of dying. You can cultivate that simply through a deep transcendental uh, meditative states. And that, again, is why I bring that gift of the sacred acoustics and the power that it brings people who have any kind of trouble with meditation or centering prayer, uh, those tones are extremely powerful getting people into meditative states to where they can come to know that there's nothing to fear about death and come to realize the extreme guidance and wisdom and creativity and understanding that's available to all of us when we can tap into universal mind through meditation. And folks, that's sacredacoustics.com. I can't wait to check it out myself. Uh, and tomorrow it just happens that our whole show is on meditation and prayer with our health guru, Beverly Nadler, uh, who is a master mind, body, soul, emotional, physical, spiritual. Every week here's to your health Thursdays. So tomorrow's show is all about meditation and prayer. You don't want to miss that. And here's reasons from Beverly Nadler herself why you really shouldn't miss any of our shows. Listen to me. I have something to say about a wonderful way to start your day. A way to stimulate your mind and increase your energy, make you feel so good. And guess what? It's free. Weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, hear the Joyce, Barry, and Friends show. You'll find it on the Internet, on Blog Talk Radio. This show is upbeat and fun and very inspirational. It's informative, educational, and very motivational. There's the Coach's Corner, great quotes and news. There are suggestions, perspectives, and advice you can use to enhance your life and improve your health, plus clever, simple ways to increase your wealth. Joyce's perceptions and personality will keep you captivated and her guests from many walks of life will always keep you fascinated. When Joyce and her friends speak, it's like you're in the conversation. This is part of what makes her show so unique, really a sensation. For Joyce's friends are not only the guests you're listening to, they're everyone who is tuning in. Yes, I do mean you. So refer your friends and family. They'll be so pleased to know. And let's make Joyce, Barry, and Friends the number one Internet radio show. And, folks, we ask you to partner up with us in having that happen. And one way you can do that is go to our homepage, JoyceBarryAndFriends.com, and right under my picture on the upper left, it says follow. And if you click on that, you'll be a follower of our show, which means that you'll get an email every day of what the show is for the next day, the topic, the guest. So you want to do that so you need not miss any shows, especially if you have a favorite guest you'll know exactly when they're coming back. You'll be right on top of uh, all that there is. Never fear that you're missing uh, the 11 o'clock live show because every show is immediately archived and stays in our archives. So you want to become a follower, JoyceBarryAndFriends.com, just simply by clicking on it uh, on the homepage. I want to go to our studio 
lines for a moment. We have uh, Mary Angela. Uh, <laughs> thank you for welcoming me back. Did you want to share something about the show? Oh, Joyce, thank you so much. It's an excellent topic. I just wanted to ask our guest, um, as I had a near-death experience and had to overcome the anger of coming back, and if he had that, and how does he deal with that? Well, that is a very good question, and, and obviously uh, uh, has tremendous emotional power for so many who have been through it. Um, I must say that with my journey and in my return, uh, there was really nothing but gratitude. Uh, I was very limited in my kind of understanding of the journey early on because of my amnesia for the life of Evan Alexander before my coma. My brain had been so devastated by my uh, gram-negative bacterial meningitis, a week spent in coma due to meningitis, that I had no memories of my life before coma when I first was waking up in the ICU. Uh, to the point where I had no words, no language, no memories of Evan Alexander's life before, none of my religious memories, none of my knowing of brain-mind consciousness in those you know, 30 years spent in science and in Western science and all that. Every bit of that was gone. All I knew when I first woke up in that uh, ICU was where I'd just been, this beautiful spiritual journey that was shockingly real, ultra-real, beyond description. And right. I knew I had come back for my son. Those who've read the book Proof of Heaven will realize that one of the faces I visualized uh, at the very end of my coma journey was of my 10-year-old son, Bond. Uh, and even though I had no idea who that being was, because when I came back to this world, even though I was surrounded by you know, my sons, my, my uh, mother, my sisters, I had no idea who they were because of that extreme amnesia. And words and language came back over hours and days, and all the other memories came back over about eight weeks. But I came back for that love because I knew as I was aware of my son's presence, and this is all explained in detail in Proof of Heaven, I knew I had to come back to be there for him, even though I could not remember the nature of the attachment of our souls. So I came back for that reason, but there was never an anger about coming back. Uh, many near-death experiencers uh, come back and say that they came back for a reason, you know, to take care of someone or something like that, uh, but they have regrets about coming back. And so I, I certainly can feel your emotional power around that, but I think a gift of my journey was with, with the inclusion of that oneness, with that complete, absolute, all-loving, uh, infinite power of the divine at the core realm that I experienced, it showed me very clearly we're all here for a reason. This material realm, even though it's illusory, it's the reason the entire universe exists. I see it that our souls are chomping at the bit to get down into these bodies, to live these lives. This is where we have skin in the game, where we have the emotional attachment, where we feel the bliss and power of divine and of the love and of connectedness with others, but we also feel the pain of loss around that. Uh, all of this is important in making the journey worthwhile and so we can learn and teach the lessons. If we didn't have that sense of loss and of uh, you know, all of the angst and the apparent darkness and evil of this world serves as an engine to drive our growth towards the light and love of the divine. And until we can broaden our view enough to see every bit of that in all of its grand glory, and that includes how, you know, the life that I before my coma thought was just birth to death and nothing more, this puny little physical existence, was not the all, the be-all and end-all of my existence by the longest stretch. And it's only by realizing that far grander vision of who we are and why we're here and this power of bringing that unconditional love to this world that we can truly overcome the fear and any kind of sense of anger about being sent back to this realm. Wow, thank you so much. That really, no pun intended, shed a lot of light on my experience. So thank so you glad so it much helped. for that. And glad thank to you see you in the chat room again. <laughs> I, I love that you're back with us and you're a major support of our show. Thank you so much, Mary Angela. 
Peace and blessings. Uh, Next, I want to go to uh, Country Boy, and then we'll come back to Dr. Alexander and talk about his amazing books. Country Boy, did you want to share something or ask something? Country Boy. Okay. Sometimes people mute out the uh, their line, and then when I call on them, they're not there quick enough to uh, get back with us on air. I just want to share one other experience, and then I want to spend the rest of the time talking about two great books, The Proof of Heaven and The Map of Heaven. Uh, this happened to me, uh, I would say, a couple of decades ago, but it's so vivid in my mind and so real uh, that I want to see if you resonate with it, Dr. Alexander, in any way. I was in New York at the time. I was walking my little dog early in the morning. Uh, we got to the uh, curb to cross this big crossing the street, and just as the light changed and I'm ready to step down, I hear a voice very clear in my head that says, look up, look up, don't move, just look up. And I look up, and it was the most beautiful angel I ever saw. Literally, it was huge. It took the place of almost the whole sky. It was really big in vivid detail. And I kept pinching myself. Am I really seeing this? Is this real? So I kept pinching myself, and people were walking all around me, crossing the street like I wasn't even there. Nobody looked up. But it was so vivid that when I got home, I documented everything and shared. Uh, I find that when you share things right away to, like, uh, make sure it sticks with you. Uh, does any of that resonate with you? It resonates completely. And I think I hear stories like that literally uh, every week from the presentations I give. People come up, and they usually start out by saying, I've never told anybody this before, but... And then they tell me a story like that. Uh, and I hear so many of them that uh, I get the the blessing of knowing that there is great reality and truth to every bit of that. Uh, this is all about acknowledging that we are eternal spiritual beings, that our universe is primary, primarily spiritual and consciousness far more than the material. And this is something that the evidence is overwhelming for. And yet the science that I worship before my coma, that materialist science that is very kind of short-sighted in its kind of scope and explanation of the world and is absolutely hopeless in terms of any explanation of the phenomena of consciousness, um, that, con- that science tries to pretend that any such experience as you described is simply a hallucination. But that is the problem with that science. It has nothing to offer at all about the nature of consciousness itself. So why should we trust it to give us any kind of a valid interpretation of conscious experience uh, when that conscious experience may be somewhat uh, different from kind of the mainstream everyday experience? Our science cannot even begin to answer the former, much less the latter. So, uh, you know, it's really all about acknowledging the truth of that, and that's why I think that, you know, many of the books coming out now, for example, there's a beautiful book that just came out in the last few weeks by Laura Lynn Jackson, uh, The Light Between Us. Laura Lynn is a medium, um, and I have the good fortune of working with her before and on a personal basis coming to realize that she has absolutely unquestionable medium skills of communication, spirit realm. And uh, so, and she's written a beautiful book about it that, that tells her very heartfelt story. And as you start to realize that these are not hallucinations, that these are not made up of confabulations, uh, you know, that this is the nature of reality and that the vast majority of people on this world have had personal experiences that support this. And that's why by, by uh, opening the door to this, which Proof of Heaven and the Map of Heaven do by legitimizing these experiences in many ways, that is what will truly change this world, are the tens of millions of stories that so many ordinary people have had out there that are not hallucinations. You know, our modern science tries to dismiss all the data, but it only cheats itself by doing that because then it gets further and further away from the actual truth of our existence. And uh, this is why this awakening is so important, and it will take the scientific world by storm. 
when I saw that angel, the message was clear that I had a guardian angel that was watching over me and wanted me to know that she was right there. It was very clear. It was the NDE that I, I, I keep looking for messages, but I never really spent much time in meditation, and that'll change now because I just know that there is a reason for everything. I'd like to know what the reason is. Uh, in your book, the, reading your book, The Proof of Heaven, which I read before any of this happened to me, it gave me solace about heaven. It, it, it gave me a feeling of peace uh, to know that there is a better world out there. I want to read it again because now I know that I'll, I'll be reading it in a different way. But what would you like to share about that book? And then we'll even uh, talk a bit about the map of heaven. I think the important thing for people to understand is this is really all about the nature of consciousness. Uh, proof of heaven is very much about rising above the false and petty separatist dogma, the dogma of conflicting uh, religious uh, dogmatic preachings, and the dogma of what I would also label as a faith-based religion, and that is the, the religion of materialist science that pretends that the physical world is the only thing that exists, that we can explain everything about the nature of reality by fully understanding the physics, chemistry, and biology of our modern science, but without acknowledging that our conventional science of physicalism has absolutely nothing remotely to say about the nature of consciousness, tries to actually pretend that consciousness is an illusion or an epiphenomenon of the workings of the physical brain, which is completely backwards. That's why that conventional science is on the verge of being totally abandoned, just like you know the... Uh, the thinking of, oh, the sun goes around the earth. Oh, the earth is flat. Well, likewise, the science that says the physical is the only thing that exists, that uh, consciousness itself is an illusion, that branch of conventional science is going extinct over the next decade. And it will leave a far, far grander and more powerful version of science that fully acknowledges the reality of consciousness as fundamental uh, at the core of all existence of the universe. The entire observable physical universe is but a tiny part of manifestation of that ultimate, infinite, eternal consciousness that we are all part of. And the new science that is emerging will fully honor that. That is where we are headed. The, my second book, The Map of Heaven, uh, especially in the introduction to that book, I talk about the dismantling of the simplistic and false physicalist model of the universe. Um, I would steer all people also, I've mentioned the two scientific books that I also recommend, Beyond Proof of Heaven and The Map of Heaven, uh, those books, Irreducible Mind, Toward a Psychology for 21st Century, and um, Beyond Physicalism, the uh, toward reconciliation of science spirituality now in addition i've recently written two articles for a series in the medical journal missouri medicine um these will be published as a book that's going to be peer-reviewed medical literature all about near-death experiences that'll be out in the next 12 months or so uh from uh, from the missouri medical society they'll be publishing that uh, but this is really, it, that'll be a very powerful book because it uh, concerns, I think, five near-death experiences among physicians plus articles by physicians who study these. And it'll take us away from that very simplistic and false kind of kindergarten-level thinking of materialist science that tries to pretend this is all, uh, you know, near-death experiences are just um, hallucinations, tricks of the dying brain, you know, due to oxygen tension levels, etc. All those false pseudo-explanations of our conventional science that go absolutely nowhere in explaining the rich tapestry of NDEs and other spiritually transformative experiences. I think when the series from Missouri Medicine comes out as a book for the general public, that will do a tremendous amount of good to taking the uh, uh, the scientific view, the accepted scientific view of near-death experiences and of the spiritual realm to a much higher level. Uh, and we can leave behind forever that simplistic and false kindergarten-level thinking similar to what I used to harbor in my mind before my coma experience, you know, about the relationship of brain, mind, and consciousness, because that very outmoded materialist scientific thinking is going extinct. 
Well, I just want to say about the uh, map of heaven, I love both books, and they both served a different purpose. But what was special about the map of heaven for me, it wasn't just about people who went through the experiences we did. It was about people that were around people that were going through it and what they were experiences in their mind, body, and soul as well. So I thought the book was extraordinary. I'm going to read both books again because as I evolve with the journey I'm on out of what I went through, I know that each time it'll have a different meaning. So I want to thank you for the work you do, for who you are. I am so grateful to you for being on the show today. You really shed a lot of light on what I'm going through, and I'd like to know what words you'd like to leave our audience with. I think the most important thing for each and every soul to to realize is that each and every one of you is deeply loved and cherished and will be taken care of. You have nothing to fear. Those are the core messages from Proof of Heaven from my guardian angel on my journey. And I've come to realize in the seven years since my coma that they are absolute fundamental truth about the nature of who we all are. We are all interconnected. We are all eternal spiritual beings. This is all about growth and the evolution of consciousness and remember that that infinite uh, healing power of unconditional love is ours to bring into this world and that's where meditation and centering prayer is so important uh, the more each and every one of us can spend some of the time during the day uh, with that gratitude and with that form of centering prayer and deep meditation, praying for our health and others and for creativity and insight and guidance, the better a place this world will be. I really appreciate you. I thank you so much for this wonderful show today. And the words I want to leave you folks with is to make this the last day, the very last day of your struggles, your suffering, your ill health, your misfortunes, your problems, your pain, your worries, your troubles, your trials and tribulations. May this be the first day, the very first day of extraordinary wishes granted and dreams coming true. Make it the most meaningful day of making more money, good health, good luck, good fortune, attracting special people and opportunities opportunities, creating magical memories and manifesting marvelous miracles. God bless you all.